When we begin a new initiative in schools, we need to think long and hard about the professional learning we put in place to help support that rollout. Today, I talked to EdTech leader Michelle Moore about how we can do more of that in our schools. Welcome to Focus on K-12, EdTech and the Education Experience. I'm your host, Doug Conopelko, Education Strategist at CDWG. So let's dive in as we focus on K-12. My name is Michelle Moore. Um, I do a little bit of everything, mostly working with public school districts in Florida. And my background in education, I worked for 12 years for Hillsborough County Schools as a classroom teacher and professional development specialist focusing on educational technology implementation, STEM, and ensuring ELL students have access to all learning experiences. Amazing. So you've worked in and around school districts with educational technology for years. So where do you think maybe there's some room for us to grow? Man, you know, I think the focus is, has always been on um, doing whatever the powers that be tell us to do. And when that changes, we abandon everything and shift to the new flavor of the month. So if we could do one thing. I think we need to shift our focus to whatever the problems are and just stay the course until we resolve them or make way. And then we can address new problems and get those out of the way. Yeah. So, so what becomes sort of most important then when we're going through those shifts? I think it's really, really helpful. And I think this is something that good leaders do is whatever the shift is, whatever the reasoning is for it. We know a lot of times there's a lot of political reasonings for, for these shifts. Um, I think a good leader always frames it in a way where we're addressing issues or we're addressing problems. And we are sharing with our teachers and our school and our community how this new shift is going to relieve a problem, get rid of a problem, or provide us with an innovative solution. Right. So as we move forward with, you know, a new innovative solution, right, we're rolling that out to our staff or our students. What are some things maybe that we need to focus on? Definitely professional development. You know, I think you guys probably do a great job with that is identifying what are the needs? What are our teachers going to need to be able to know or do? What do our students need to be able to know or do? And how can we really make some progress in that uh, need? And then the biggest thing after that is like sticking with it. And we get tired, you know, it gets old. We want that new shiny toy, that new ed tech tool that comes out. We already did this. We, we've already used that. You know, our students are getting bored with it, but just stick with it. <laughs> Keep using it. And once you actually commit to it, then hopefully, you know, it solves whatever problem it was trying to solve. But too often we, uh, you know, we're definitely looking for the quick fix or the quick turnaround. And if we don't see the results and we don't get that instant gratification right away, we abandon everything and start over. And meanwhile, the problem never actually went away. Yeah. So when we have a new initiative and we have some professional development to go along with that, let's say that's, that's embedded in the work of that new solution or new initiative. I think one of the things I always go back to is as a teacher, we used to even say, as we were going into professional development, oh, I feel bad for this person because teachers make the worst students, right? So what are some things maybe uh, when we're looking through that professional development lens, right? When we're looking at engagement, uh, what, what can we do to help uh, maybe get over the hump when it comes to, you know, teachers making the worst students sometimes? Yeah, so 
teachers do make the worst students. You know, I've definitely been like that person in a professional learning, especially if it was mandatory. Other than that, you know, I'm, I'm usually pretty good about wanting to learn. Um, but I think leaders too often miss that opportunity to model best practices. So if you do have the worst students in the school, how are you going to model really good pedagogy so that you can show them there's no excuse? Every learner is accessible if you put in the work to access them. How are you going to engage them? How are you going to sell it to them? What are you going to do to make it a true, authentic conversation with the consideration of their age? So don't treat them like kids. You know, let's not do like a hands up or countdown from five or whatever. <laughs> yes, you can make adjustments because they aren't real students, but there are so many good pedagogical strategies that you can still model. So many ed tech tools that you can use to deliver that uh, professional learning. Let them get a little taste of it, see what they like about it, what they don't like about it. And you're sneaking in extra learning that may not even be the focus of that professional development experience. Yeah. When you, when you started talking about that, I started thinking about, you know, modeling best practices for professional learning or for learning in general, right? Part of what we talk about when we talk about working with students is meeting the students where they are, doing things that are developmentally appropriate for the students and yeah, I would say that, you know, counting down from five in a room full of adults definitely isn't modeling, doing what's appropriate for the group that you're working with. So, um, so how can we do better, right? What are some things that leaders can do to reflect on their practice or maybe, uh, you know, even just thinking about engagement with adults, right? We, when we talk with students, we talk a lot about compliance versus engagement. And to your point, sometimes that's when we make the worst students, right? When we're going in as a teacher to something that we don't really have any buy-in to, right? So how do we maybe, um, you know, either model that or do better uh, for our teachers? You know, first, definitely practice what you preach. Whatever you're telling your teachers to do, you better do it too when you get up there because they will hold you to it. So I've been in a lot of, not a lot, but I've been in some uh, professional learning experiences where the person leading the, the learning says, I know we tell you not to talk to your students for 45 minutes, but I have a lot of information to give you. So I'm just going to go through this and you can, you know, follow up later with me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, why, why did you do that? Uh, you know, that's enabling them. That's showing them like, hey, what you have to share is important and you have a lot of information to give. I do too. My curriculum says I have to be on this chapter on this day and I'm already two weeks behind. So you just told me it's okay to, you know, lecture for 45 minutes and they can follow up later with questions if they have any. You know, that's a big no-no. And yes, it does take time to deliver Good, a good professional learning experience. Anyone that's done it knows that it does take time. Um, you're not just going to be able to wing it, just like you don't expect teachers to wing a really good lesson plan. Maybe after their experience, they can put in a little bit less effort because they can see what it looks like in their mind, but they still need to adjust for the learners in their classroom that year and on that day and where they are. So put in the work and you will see the results. If you give teachers a good experience, even if it's just a faculty meeting with a 10 minute learning bit, they will so appreciate it. They are going to be more willing to try it and they're going to respect you. 
you know, at the end of the day, you can't, you know, say one thing and then do another. So you are holding yourself to the same level of standards that you hold them to. And hopefully they will hold their students to those same level of standards. And if everyone is accountable, it's just a better experience for everyone. Absolutely. So maybe, you know, that's sort of looking at the big picture, right? But maybe what are some things that folks could do tomorrow, right? If they're leading a professional learning tomorrow, what are some things they could try to put in place to up the impact right? And up the relevance for their group. Make sure it's a two-way conversation. You know, how, how are you ensuring equity of voice? Um, I had a really good supervisor um, in Hillsborough County Schools one day that told me that faculty meetings, um, you know, everything you say at a faculty meeting could probably be said in an email. And that the point of a faculty meeting was to bring everyone together and build camaraderie. And that really stayed with me. So every time you get a group of people together, especially now that we so rarely are able to get together physically, make sure there's something you can do that is going to be some sort of team building or bring people together or offer them a unique way to bond um, where they normally wouldn't have been able to have that experience. And then also um, make sure there's equity of voice. Where on the agenda are you allowing for a roundtable or allowing, you know, things to be shared that maybe are for the good of the group, but not necessarily related to what you're speaking on that day? Yeah, like what happens for the good of the group that may not be for the good of you, right, as the leader there, <laughs> but what's, what, what can you do to make sure those voices are included? Um, you know, I think there, there's a great book called The Art of Gathering, which has maybe uh, lost some of, it, it hasn't lost any of its relevance, but the title sounds weird, you know, in pandemic times to say The Art of Gathering, but it talks about being like so intentional when you're bringing people together for any reason, right? About mm -hmm. here's why we're coming together. Here's what we're going to accomplish together. So it sounds like, you know, part of what you're saying is, is really what that book was all about, which is you have to make sure that you know, you know, the value going in and the people that you're bringing together also know the value going in. Absolutely. And I, I think, yes, that's exactly it. So, so often we take for granted gathering and especially if you're a leader, you assume if you set a meeting, people will come. And I think uh, we take for granted, uh, you know, being intentional about what we're going to do or how we want people to leave, um, you know, whether it's feeling or knowing or, you know, what, what's the purpose? So I love it. I haven't read the book, but now I'm interested in it. <laughs> yeah. So maybe what other, other than the art of gathering, right? What are some tools or resources that have been really valuable to you along the way surrounding professional learning uh, or tools that are great for keeping those, uh, you know, open lines of communication for feedback or collaboration, you know, anything like that. Yeah. The two tools that I probably um, reference the most or cite the most or probably share the most when we're trying to problem solve. One is uh, Microsoft OneNote and the other one is Flipgrid and they just happen to both be Microsoft products. I'm normally a Google person. <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, what we had in, in most of the districts that I worked with. So the Flipgrid is pretty obvious. Like I said, you want to ensure that equity of voice. How can we give people uh, true uh, space to share in? And sometimes we want them to be thoughtful in what they're sharing. And maybe a uh, large gathering space isn't necessarily the place for that. Sometimes, like with COVID, maybe we can't gather together. 
but we can still have the space and share videos and reply back to each other with videos and just having more meaningful conversation than emailing back and forth. And then the other one, Microsoft OneNote is for a different reason. It's really more for accountability and support. So when we do have this new learning and we say, okay, teachers go forth into your classrooms and magically, right, they're supposed to implement whatever it is that they learned. We know it doesn't happen like that. So I really love uh, Class OneNote um, for principals to be able to share, not just principals, coaches, whoever, share feedback with teachers. The teachers all have their individual notebooks. The administrators can give feedback. What did they see? What did they expect to see? Was it aligned? And hopefully it's keeping a running record of how that teacher is gradually growing in their practice. Too often we expect to see like overnight changes, but if we have something written down where we can see like, wow, like the first time I came to visit your classroom, you had five kids with their heads down. You know, this time I came to visit your classroom and you were doing small group and more students were having authentic conversations and you're doing like way better in really engaging your students. And it's all documented. Everybody knows exactly what the goals are and where they should be. Yeah, and you know, in the in that vein of right accountability and learning and growing and progress, had I had a great conversation with Sharif El who runs the Center for Black Educator Development, where he talks about the fact that like if I come in tomorrow with a new haircut, right, everybody in my class notices right? All of my students immediately call it out and it becomes a big discussion point in the class. But what we don't see is that when a teacher goes to a training on, you know, anti-bias or professional learning uh, on a new pedagogical technique, right? Somebody in the class should notice, right? That there's a change. And so it's great if we have some of those, those systems in, in, you know, in place, not just for accountability, like, oh, I got you, you didn't do it, but so that for our own uh, benefit for our own reflection and accountability, we can look back and say, hey, did I do that thing that I had committed to do? Yeah. And, uh, you know, just like with the new haircut, I would suggest teachers be transparent with their students about whatever it is that they're trying to change or do. Because if I never have collaborative groups and all of a sudden I'm pushing for uh, those groups, they're going to be like, what's going on? Or, you know, if I've never counted down from five and all of a sudden I start doing that, they're probably going to be a little freaked out. <laughs> they're going to wonder what training did she go to that she's just now learning how to count down from five. I know, but I, um, I love, do you remember the observe me hashtag? I do People, not. Yeah. So teachers used to put on their door, not used to, some probably still do, but it was a big trend going on, uh, going on social media where you posted on your door something you think you're really good at and something that you're working on. And then, uh, you know, you could get feedback on that specific thing. So whoever is walking into your classroom knows like something that they're going to see that you do really, really well in some area that you're trying to improve. And that way they know what kind of feedback you want. Absolutely. Well, I would love to dive way deeper into that, but we are out of time. So I want to thank you for being on today and sharing this with us. Thank you so much. And thank you just for creating this space in general for people to come on and share little tidbits with everyone. Thanks for joining us today on Focus on K-12, EdTech and the Education Experience. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and consider leaving us a rating or a review. If you'd like to contact us about the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at the Conopelco 
or send us an email at focusonk12 at cdw.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time as we focus on K-12.